I'm Heart. And I'm Moon. We're here to chat about hog noses and maybe some other reptiles too. This is an educational, inclusive podcast for reptile enthusiasts of all levels, where we get to invite keepers to combine their knowledge and experience with ours while sharing it with you. Hey, what's up, everybody? Kevin Rhodes from hognose1.com. So the first time I saw a hog nose was in a pet shop, 10-gallon aquarium. There must have been 10 of them in there. Males going crazy on the females back in June, I guess it was. And that was the first time I'd ever seen one. But the first time I held one, 1989, I think it was sixth grade. My friend had a probably foot-long female. Man, that just did it for me. Just getting to feel that snake and really cool little girl. And yeah, I was hooked from then on. Started all of it for me was my initial love for snakes in general. And then when I was eight years old and I seen my very first Western hognose snake, and actually I seen a Western hognose snake, as far as I can recall from way back then, before I seen any other species of hognose. And when I seen a Western hognose snake, that was pretty much it. Just their overall appearance, their face, uh, that really just was it. And from since then, my love and interest for them has just grown and built from that. This is Megan with Enchanted Hogs, and together with my husband, Jose, we keep Western hognose snakes with aspirations to become future breeders. We got into hognoses because they are super cute and have such adorable attitudes. Our kids also love and enjoy learning about them. Hognoses make really great pets because of their small size and will shamelessly entertain you with their sassy presence during the day as a diurnal species. Hello, how you doing? My name is Eslin Himeranis with Exotic Fire Hogs, and my story is simple. I got into hognose when I went into Daytona Reptile Breeders Expo about 10 years ago. I was breeding high-end brachydactylus species geckos like crested geckos, lichianuses, chihuahuas, gargoyles. And I made a switch <laughs> shortly after I found my first hognose and took him home as a pet. My wife and I fell in love and it's pretty much the end of that story and the beginning of this beautiful one. We switched over completely from geckos all the way to snakes and since then it's been an obsession of mine breeding and keeping high-end hognose. We got into hognose breeding when Nicole absolutely needed to have one after seeing them online. So I surprised her for her birthday and got a superconda male. After that, I was started looking into the genetics of it and all the different morphs there was. And after that, I was hooked and we just went to get one became two, two became four, four became our collection now, which is 18. Hi, my name is Alicia from AML Reptiles and I got into hognoses by complete coincidence about 13, 14 years ago. I was actually breeding high-end bearded dragons and a lady messaged me and asked if I'd consider swapping two of my baby bearded dragons for two hognoses uh, and I found it quite intriguing so I went along to Ashby de la Zeus where she was and we did a swap and it didn't stop at two i think i may have spent about ten thousand pounds my very first year because i kind of just realized that they were the most adorable little snake ever and i'd actually been frightened of snakes believe it or not before i owned hognoses so yeah that's how i got into hognoses i did a swap and <laughs> it snowballed from there Welcome, Moonies and Hardies and reptile enthusiasts of all kinds to episode two 
of the Heart and Moon Hogcast called Should You Get a Hognose Snake? You are here with Trinity Hart and the charming and lovely snake wrangler extraordinaire, Susie Moon. <laughs> oh, hello there. Welcome to episode two. Thanks for coming back. We're happy to have you guys here. So the audio clips, by the way, you just heard in the beginning of this episode were provided by Kevin Rhodes, Jeff Galewood of JMG Reptile, Megan of Enchanted Hogs, Eslin of Exotic Fire Hogs, Jake and Nicole of Sweet and Salty Serpents, and Alicia of AML Reptiles. We want to say thank you to each of them from the bottom of our warm-blooded heart for taking the time to provide us these voice clips, and we appreciate each and every one of you for what you do and what you bring to this amazing community. Yay, thank you! I know you guys are all so busy, of course, taking care of so many little baby hognoses and all kinds of other colubrids, so we really appreciate that and supporting us starting our uh, hogcast out. It really means a lot to us. Yes, thank you to the noodle nannies of the world. (laughs) Noodle nannies. That's excellent. As you guys have heard, there are a decent amount of folks in the reptile community who cherish this particular and very special species of snake, the western hognose, also known as the plains hognose snake. And we are obviously no exception. And we want to ease folks into this hogcast of ours and start with the basics, especially because we want to be inclusive to the folks out there who have not yet gotten their first hognose or maybe just recently became a hog parent and are looking for informational resources or even just curious and currently have no intention of owning one ever, which I don't I don't know who you people are. That's a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Love you guys too. But really, let's go. Let's get one. <laughs> hog no say how dare. <laughs> I'm like, yes, we're totally not at all biased. but simply there are just a few important basics that we want to go over and maybe even some things that we want even some of our more experienced hognose owners to reconsider when making new purchases and having a new little member join your collection absolutely it's worth it for people at any experience level and if nothing else sometimes a refresher is just good yeah we want to really start off with the basics so we're gonna break it down to these two important things the two questions that you really want to ask yourself do you have the resources and are you the right personality type for owning a reptile and we're making it really broad because i think sometimes even as hognose snake owners constantly doing research (laughs) Whichever stage we're at, sometimes stopping to reconsider things like holdbacks. <laughs> you know, do you have room for holdbacks? Or do I have the will and the tenacity to keep up a schedule that is the best for reptiles? I think that encompasses like a great basis. And from there, we're going to talk more about the actual logistics around words like resources. What do we mean by resources? What do you actually need? And we're going to list that off. And I can throw out there right now that if your thought process and getting a snake is something like, I want something pretty to look at and I'm never going to hold it. There are some species that people will keep as a look-only species, but for the most part, I'm pretty big on being able to in some way interact with the animal that you have. If you're thinking, I'll just get one I don't have to hold because you're hoping it's not going to take a lot of work, you're in it for the wrong reasons. I agree. And there are other reptiles that are great species that don't enjoy being held, that actually don't enjoy socialization, that 
that would be great to just look at and give a, a, a wonderful husbandry to um, certain geckos. I would say some chameleons. They're great. You know, look into some bugs. But do your <laughs> research and find some species that will work for you. You know, there are some certain geckos that don't do well with handling that will do great if you just provide them a lush enclosure and you could just stare at them and say, oh, look at my pretty little trophies that I, you know, <laughs> provide superior husbandry and a proper feeding schedule for. Because some of those geckos literally will slough off their skin if you try to hold them, so you should not handle them at all. Right. In which case, that would be the type of animal I want to get. If you do want to put in the work and the time and the effort to giving them a good life, but you're not necessarily interested in interacting with them. Right. And, yes, and there's no animal that require no attention whatsoever. Yeah. So if you want that, get a pet rock. Yeah. <laughs> you want something pretty to look at? You don't have to maintain. Get a painting. Yeah. But nope. You gotta get up. You gotta do this. You got. It's it's about them. So all right, let's get down to talking about some of the details on things that you're gonna need and consider when asking yourself, should I get myself a hog nose snake? That is the question of the day. Consider the hognose snake. Uh, should you get one? Immediately, I just want to say yes, get one. They're awesome. They're sinking cute and they're gorgeous to boot. That rhymes. I'm a poet. Um, yeah. In reality, that's not enough. First of all, as Susie was saying, do you have any experience or know-how with snakes in general? They can be quite delicate and or fragile, and in untrained hands, especially young ones, the snake has a genuine risk of being greatly injured. Once you have lots of experience, you might have to restrain your snakes for medical or treatment purposes, but that's something I would generally consider would come down the line once you're a little bit more experienced. And in the meantime, you want to leave that to your exotic vet. Snakes can also move quite fast when they want to, even hognoses. <laughs> and hognose snakes in particular are not something you want to drop because they are a fossorial species, meaning they're burrowing animals with physical adaptations specifically for digging. That's why they have that shovel-shaped nose. They're not meant to be climbing very high spaces and certainly not meant to be falling or dropped from great heights. You want to talk? Okay, so this is Genesis. Genesis. Hi, Genesis. Wanna... Hi. Do you want to tell us why it's bad to drop a snake? Who gets the owie? The snake that Yeah, the snake that you drop gets an owie. So are you supposed to hold it with one hand or with two hands? Two hands. Good job. Because your hands are big. Oh, yes, because my hands are big, so I can hold it with one hand. Good job. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. So, anyways. Where it just goes to show have? it's a very simple part of owning a snake, which is don't drop them. <laughs> Make sure you can support them. But if you're new to snakes, maybe you didn't realize how important this was. And it's, it's something we wanted to cover just in case. Right. Genesis wanted to make sure it was covered. Because <laughs> <laughs> the snake will get an owie, just like he said. I think essentially what it comes down to is have you done even just the basic research and have a basic understanding of snake about body language, how a snake would show discomfort, how to detect illnesses in snakes and things like that. So I think taking the time to not just read, also take a look at some videos so that you can actually see some physical examples as well and just dedicate yourself to really understanding the language of snakes because once you tune yourself into being able to pick up the little cues it's a lot easier to be able to understand the needs of your animal
people. Ask people in Discord. Ask anybody, honestly. Yeah, if you have a friend who owns snakes, that's a really good place to start as well. I think it's important even more so to get familiar with the specific species of snake that you're looking at. Because with something like a hog nose, unlike lots of arboreal snake species, which climb and spend a lot of time using their stomach muscles to grip things like tree branches, when you're holding a hog nose, you must be engaged in the handling session. You have to make sure you're giving them your attention and preventing them from falling. They are ground dorks <laughs> with no sense right. of preservation when it comes to plummeting off your arms into the ground below. And many reptiles are actually like that. My geckos will do that too. But you know, so hog noses are in that camp. And essentially just even knowing how to hold a hog nose is something you'll want to get comfortable with before you dive in, not that it's required, but something to think about. Some folks don't need practice beforehand, but be honest with yourself and what may be a deal breaker for you. Absolutely. I think that's actually a great point because if you're looking for a snake that you can just have chill in your lap while you watch a movie, this is not that snake for you. Go get yourself a ball python, you know, but don't expect the hog nose snake to sit in your lap and watch a movie with you. <laughs> Yeah, you may do better with something like a moving python or, or boa. Yeah. Something else to consider owning a snake. Are you prepared <laughs> to feed an animal rodents? Hog noses generally eat mice in captivity. I really love rodents and it's one of the worst part about having snakes for me, but they have to eat. I want to keep them happy and healthy. So I have to work past my dislike of feeding rodents because they need nourishment. I agree. And having a source of the frozen thawed mice is also something important to consider. I would say for the average person, there's a few different options. You could have them shipped to you, which shipping alone, not even including the cost of mice, is 50 to $60. Yeah. And it's a big box, regardless of how many mice you buy, because they need to make sure that it's kept at a certain temperature. You can drive to the reptile store once a week and buy a mouse once a week. If you have the time and if you have a shop within driving distance, of you. these are all things you want to make sure you have as a resource. You don't want to get your hog nose and then be like, oh, shoot. I can't, I can't feed him. <laughs> Darn. Three weeks? What? You know, so that's definitely not setting yourself up for success. So not only making sure that you're willing to feed that mouse to the snake, but having mouse to feed to the snake is yeah. also. <laughs> and consistently, because some companies run out. Some stores run out. Yeah. There's times where I've, before I started buying bigger orders and keeping it in a freezer, you know, when I would drive to the pet store every week or two, there'd be, there'd be some weeks where pet stores are like, I have no pinky mice. What do you mean you have no pinky mice? I didn't know that happens. Or you can go to like PetSmart and get like... Arctic mice. Yeah, that I wouldn't see. Yeah. If you run out of mice and you need one in a pinch, they're there. I'm sure tons of people have done it, even though they prefer to feed higher quality you know all comes together basically to say something like are you able to consistently and reliably obtain feeder mice for your snake do you have it within your budget to have them shipped to you if there isn't a pet store or some sort of a feeder breeder nearby to, to give you a steady supply and what quality of feeder are you going to be able to give your snake as well so those are some other things to consider yeah and i would consider also the cost of a little freezer yeah totally <laughs> it saves you money at the end of the day honestly 
Yeah, because you can keep them frozen for a few months. I wouldn't keep them past maybe six months tops, but you can definitely stockpile if you need to, especially if you have lots of snakes. Yeah, depending on your vendor, they'll give you a life stock expectancy or whatever from when you open your bag and when you, how long you keep your bag sealed and all that stuff. So, yeah. Because that's something that uh, a lot of people aren't aware of, is that when you freeze something, it can go rancid. It can and it does go rancid, especially if it's filled with polyunsaturated fatty acids. Poultry, for example, which is very high in PUFAs, which is what they're what's short for polyunsaturated fatty acids. Those fatty acids have lots and lots of bonds on them. And as something is frozen, you notice how it gets all those little ice crystals. It's the water on and in the item freezing. And over time, that goes further and further into the food item. And as those ice crystals are growing into the food item, they actually break those fat bonds and turn them rancid. So the longer you have something frozen, the less nutritious it is and the more likely it is that you're going to be serving something with rancid fat. So that's why I recommend no more than six months absolute maximum. Well, there you go. And I've actually heard of the deterioration of the nutrients. I didn't know that it could actually go rancid when frozen. So there you go, learning something new. (laughs) Another facet of eating is fasting, actually. Sometimes hog noses, like other snakes, will refuse to eat. And this is something that is a little bit peculiar with hog noses because in their natural environment, they would be eating, what, amphibians, frogs, toads, things like mm-hmm. that, maybe fish. So. Yeah. With hog noses, you'll want to familiarize yourself with not only what sizes of mice they should be eating at different stages of their lives and how often, but also what to do when they go on a hunger strike. And depending on who you ask, this can also refer to as anorexia or fasting, but some of the solutions for fasting a hog nose would be including something like scenting your mouse with something like frog juice, which can be quite expensive. Other people use things like sardine with great success, tuna, salmon. I've even heard Vienna sausage and chicken hearts and all sorts of things. So you have to be prepared and make sure you're looking up what kinds of things you need to do if your snake stops eating. Right. Or preparing yourself to brain a pinky. Yeah. Which is pretty much what it sounds like. And it's not for the squeamish. (laughs) But it's like, do you do that? Or do you let your hog nose starve? You know what I mean? I feel like those are the things you have to be prepared to to go through for your hog nose. (laughs) Yeah, because they have a very specific diet, right? And because snakes are known for occasionally going on hunger strikes they don't have metabolisms like ours they don't need to eat every day they don't even necessarily get hungry after a long break between meals like we do and any little thing can potentially set them off of food if your snake isn't losing any weight and they haven't eaten for a couple weeks or even a couple months There's no need to rush suddenly to doing something like live feeding or assist feeding. These are things we'll talk about in much more detail in later episodes, but they're absolutely the last resort option. So it's also good to know in what order you should be trying these things. Braining is something you can try right away. Uh, Doing the deli cup method, something you can try right away scenting maybe a little bit later on but the, the number one thing you want to check is your husbandry on point do they have a good amount of substrate so they feel comfortable do they have the right amount of hides are they hydrated are they cramped high enough because if the temperatures aren't high enough they'll refuse to eat because they sense that they won't have the temps to digest the food so exactly and their metabolism won't be going fast enough to digest the food either and right. you know humidity could be off as well but the thing to do with hognose is not freak out i will say I have a friend who's very small hognose, went on a nine-month hunger strike and lost very, very little body weight. So as long as they're not losing weight, the key is to not freak out because eventually they'll come around, they'll eat for you. 
So yeah. it's hard I not can... to. My first hog nose ever went on a three month hunger strike. And that was the first time I'd ever experienced anything like that. And I was pretty sure I was developing ulcers <laughs> because Aww. I was so anxious. But I mean, she was a 16 gram baby hog nose who didn't eat for three whole months when normally I was feeding her once a week at least. Right. And she didn't lose a single gram of weight. Yeah. Not a single gram. And I, I definitely recommend weighing your snakes maybe bi-weekly so you can keep track of something like that. So if they do start losing yeah. or gaining too quick, you'll have a good idea. Grams are sort of the generally accepted unit of weight for people who own snakes because it's more precise than pounds for sure. And I think even more than ounces would be. Oh, don't ask me the conversion rate of ounces. <laughs> um, I have a scale that does ounces on grams, but I, I just leave it on grams. I don't even mess with ounces. I don't know anyone. I don't know anyone who weighs their snake in ounces. Right. I did speak to someone once who weighs their snake in pounds, and I was confused. <laughs> Do they breed anacondas? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Do they breed reticulated pythons? Yeah. Like, <laughs> so this is why you need to go with grams because, I mean, when I first got truffles, she weighed the same amount as a triple A battery. And you're not going to get precise measurements and see whether she's growing or losing weight if you're weighing in pounds. In fact, yeah. I don't think it'll even register on the scale at that point. You're like, you are at zero pounds. You are at zero pounds. Yeah. <laughs> One month later, still at zero pounds. <laughs> this is inadequate information for what I need right now. It's just like N-A. <laughs> not applicable. Uh. <laughs> So Susie, what would you say would be the next thing to consider after that? I was thinking probably like, do you have the space and money to keep a hog nose? Yeah, definitely. Do you have the space and money to keep a hog nose? Is everybody in the house on board? And I would say along with that, like not don't just consider the money for the snake and the enclosure. Consider money for an emergency vet visit. I would consider money for three crypto tests that come out negative. I would consider money for future upgrades. Don't forget your thermometer. Don't think, okay, cool. I'm going to get this hog nose snake. Don't worry. I'm just going to get like a regular head. That might be enough to like barely skim by, but what's going to happen the second that you need to go see a vet? Because I will tell you within the first month I had my first hog nose snake, I had an issue with impaction because of my inexperience and putting my very small hog nose on Aspen early on. And yeah, I had to take, I had to pay for a vet visit right away. Yeah. The last thing you want is a traumatic experience where you get your very first hog nose snake and immediately they get sick or injured and then you know worst case scenario you lose them that's not something we want for you and it's part of the reason why we want to talk about these things so yeah space money they're going to need an enclosure with light and heat they need a substrate which is just something that goes on the bottom of the enclosure which will need to be cleaned out and replaced with some frequency they're gonna need decorations and enrichment and hides they're gonna need water bowls and of course that supply of frozen mice you're gonna need tongs, you're gonna need sanitizing and cleaning supplies for all of that. You're gonna need calcium supplements, potential D3, potential probiotics, getting a place to source scenting. That's hard. If you don't wanna spend an arm and a leg, you're gonna like... pay a minimum of $60 just to get that one little bottle of frog scent. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just a whole ordeal that you don't wanna get caught behind in. This is how you can set yourself up for success, is making sure that you have the resources 
and that you have everything you need so that you're not doing things like freaking out or doing unnecessarily vet visits like I did when I thought my snake was impacted and it actually wasn't impacted. I was just being a helicopter mom, you know, right. like <laughs> set yourself and your snake up for success by doing your homework, ensuring you have the supplies that you need on hand, having money set aside for those emergency vet uh, blah, emergency vet visits because things can and will go wrong when you have an animal depending on you, whether it's a dog or a snake or a human child <laughs> you need to plan for medical emergencies right cost is absolutely a factor you must consider and be committed to spending what's necessary i think another another factor too that i also wanted to bring up is that a healthy hognose snake in captivity lives somewhere around 20 years people are hesitant to get a dog or a cat because of how much of a commitment it is but they forget that hognose snakes can also live just as long <laughs> yeah Potentially just as long as your teenager kid will. Yeah, exactly. So don't forget that, guys. We are literally taking in two decades of commitment every time we buy a hot snake. Yeah, and yeah. I, I do want to touch back on that that vet thing one more time is that an important factor, having an exotic vet in your area who is also familiar with medical care for snakes specifically your species of snakes, in this case, hognose, is really important. There are some things about hognose snakes that are different from other snakes. There was a great example that was provided by JMG Reptile on their YouTube channel a few months ago that hognoses are actually very susceptible to the toxins found in common mite sprays and powders used for I snakes. Was, I was actually thinking literally the same exact thing. You wouldn't want to use that for a hognose because some of them will actually kill a hognose or potentially cause long lasting severe neurological issues if it's used in their enclosure. So it's also important to make sure that both you and your vet are intimately aware of factors like this before you use any medical treatments on your hognose snakes. It's the same as, you know, with different dog breeds may require different care because of their unique physiology. Hognoses will need to be treated in a different manner from ball pythons or corn snakes and other popular pet snakes because they have different physiology. That's a good point, Miss Hot. <laughs> Was there anything else that you wanted to touch upon, Miss Susie? I think ultimately, part of the reason why we have such an awesome community amongst the hognose breeders is because we are like-minded people. We aren't like instant gratification people. We understand that long-term investments end up in long-term goals. And we're willing to put in the work to work with them, to learn from them and give them the long run effort, right? So that they can slowly adjust to captivity. You know, at the end of the day, they are wild animals. They're not domesticated like dogs are. So we're still learning a lot from them and we're still, we're still developing a lot about what we know about them and I think that's what's magical about our community is that we, we're like a group of people that all are committed to furthering the knowledge of hognose and also helping to assimilate them to captivity better and through things like target training or just consistent handling and putting in that time and effort I think really does you know make a difference in the quality of your animal's life. That's kind of what I mean by do you have the right personality for it? I don't, I don't really care what you do, but make sure that if you're gonna get into a species of animal. Probably if you're listening to this, you're an animal lover of some sort, right? That's why you're listening to a hog nose based podcast in the first place. So I expect you probably 
deeply care about animals and maybe we've got you you know curious about hog noses now just be honest with yourself about whether or not this is something you want to commit to for potentially two decades it's really just about being real with yourself and knowing your limitations and it's okay if it turns out that hog nose snakes aren't the snake for you or if snakes in general aren't the pet for you for whatever reason the main thing is we want to spread the gospel <laughs> of hog nose but we also <laughs> want to be realistic about um, what our limitations are and there's nothing wrong or shameful about saying you know I think they sound really cool I'd love to see one in person one time I don't think it's for me because it does sound like it may be out of my my budget or whatnot and I don't want to make it sound like it's incredibly expensive to keep a hog nose but it could be if they have a medical emergency and that's going to be true for any pet mm -hmm. I also think that it's important to make sure that we you know that we talk about the positives of owning hog noses you want a snake that's smaller hog nose is a good option for you the males only get about a foot and a half somewhere around there the females only get maybe up to three feet so it's a good small snake they're relatively slow moving most of the time although they can be quite wriggly they're not going to be super fast and darty like some of the thinner more arboreal snakes or pythons they also have these big round beautiful diurnal eyes that i just love my first hognose albino mix she's a toffee glow so her eyes to me looked like rubies i thought they were gorgeous and there's so much going on in there i know we joke a lot about how dumb hognose is and maybe comparatively speaking yes definitely my hognose is not quite on the same intellectual level as my dwarf retic is <laughs> but that being said when i look into truffle's eyes i see her looking back at me and thinking i see right. her looking at stuff around her with wonder you know those couple of times i take her outside when it's a nice day and she gets a whiff of the fresh air and she gets the sun on her back and she's looking around and sniffing things curiously and happily Aww. Those kinds of things make me really happy. I love looking at my snake and seeing them thinking. And you will see that with a hog nose. Mm -hmm. They also have these insanely adorable <laughs> cheeks that I just love. <laughs> my um, my sable boy, Parzival, they tend to have these this blushing on their cheeks, which means there's some pinkish tones right above their mouth on the upper side. So it looks like he's blushing and it's just the cutest thing. Also, when they're eating, they do this frog face thing that cracks me up. <laughs> Uh, so there's a lot of things to love about hog noses and if you're considering one and all that stuff we said before doesn't scare you away and instead excites you, I can't recommend enough having a hog nose snake, especially if you already are a keeper and you're thinking about adding one to your collection because they just sound amazing. If you have the time, the money, and the space, definitely get one. Hog noses are a special treat and they are different from any other species of colubrid for sure. And it's going to be something special and different from any of your other reptile relationships. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that, because it's good. <laughs> oh, why, why, thank you. <laughs> and end speech. <laughs> well, did you want to add any of the positives why you think people should get a hog nose? I think they have the most personality of any snake. People always make fun of them because they're derpy, and some of them are derpy, but like you <laughs> said, some of them are so intelligent. So much so that I feel like they're low-key judging me and giving me side-eye all the time because they're like, bald monkey, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like they're always looking at me like I'm doing something wrong because they already know what's up. But I used honestly, to know a dog like that. I swear to God, he, he, he frowned at me all the time. 
<laughs> I was like, like dang, why dog. make you feel so stupid, dog? <laughs> Seriously, sometimes certain animals be like, do you know it's 707 and you were supposed to feed me at 701? You know what I mean? Like, there's just certain animals. That's what I'm saying is they have all different personalities. They do. Like, they could, I have a super sweet one. I have a super mean one. I have a super grumpy one. I have a super sassy one. I have a super cute one. I have one that's super social. I have one that will literally crawl out onto my hand every single time I open up a tub. I have one that will bluff strike nonstop at my hand every time I open up a tub. So it's like, whatever range you want, you will find it all within this one species. They're amazing. And if you want to talk about color variation, an actual color variation, uh, yeah. the gamut. All the way from a leucistic to a super arctic Swiss that looks dark as night. I mean, you can literally run the gamut. You can have pink, you can have purple, you can have brown, you can have like right, You can bluish. have light blue, yeah. Yeah, you can have every shade of caramel or toffee or, you know, popcorn. I don't know. Like, Yum. they're all <laughs> so beautiful. <laughs> My ties, I now think of hognose instead of a cocktail because it's that. Pretty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> totally. So, well, like, and not just the colors, but the patterns, too. There's an insane spectrum of patterns because we're yeah. still sort of in the infancy, I feel like, of discovering all the possibility of hognose genetics. And oh, so true. there's new things coming out all the time. And yeah. it, not only is it exciting, but it's really special. It's a special thing to be a part of right now. And the rainbow of colors and patterns and personality that you find within Hognose is pretty incredible to have be a part of your life and get to interact with and see on a daily basis. Right. They're also different, but in wonderful ways. And that's why for a lot of us, it's hard to have just one they're like potato chips. Like once you get one, you just can't stop or whatever the, the slogan. I keep on thinking of the knockoff brand of Pringles, which is Prongles. Instead of that, what, once you pop, you just can't stop. Where I think Prongles is like, once you pop, that's great. Are you and kidding me? No. <laughs> now I need to try a Prongle. That's hilarious. Google it. <laughs> so once you get a hog nose, that's great. <laughs> you just can't it's stop. <laughs> Okay, and I will also say, getting into the genetics and the science and the math behind all of that, which we will get to in further episodes for all of you that are down to get nerdy with me, so fascinating. So, so, so fascinating. So just so many different facets of fascination and beauty and entertainment. And at the same time, they don't take themselves too seriously because they're kind of torpy. So yeah, in all in all, go get yourself a hog nose as long as you can take care of it. <laughs> I'd also like to throw out there for those of you who are concerned about getting bitten, a hog nose is a really great place to start out. It's so rare that they're going to bite you defensively. Yeah. It's so, so, so rare. You said in our first episode that they're going to have several different defenses before they ever reach that point. It's just so unlikely. Most snakes, their first defense is going to be don't move and hope you don't see me. Yep. Then it's and usually then going to be two run away. Be poop on myself and run. <laughs> yeah. Poop and run. Poop and run. <laughs> I mean, they that's won't like my me first if I defense. Smell bad. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Dead. <laughs> And then they're gonna they're gonna flatten out and be like, I'm a cobra, see, I'm real scary. And then they're gonna hiss at you and they'll be like, see the scary noise, you should go away. And then maybe they'll bluff strike at you, which is where they basically just bonk you with their head and it doesn't do anything, but it's Pretty real much. cute. So it's, just... it's a reverse nose boop. 
Yeah, they're they're noisy, bonky little things, and it's just so unlike they're gonna bite you. And it took me several months after I got truffle to get really get that through my head that <laughs> she was not gonna bite me. And now I just pick her up every time, kissing, bluff striking, whatever, to the point where Aww. now she she rarely does it. And it builds this confidence. It builds this kind of amazingly strange relationship where you feel good about this accomplishment of getting through to this snake that you're not going to hurt it and it getting through to you that it's not going to hurt you it's pretty incredible heck yeah it's a very singular kind of experience to have and i want that for a lot of people snakes in general there's an effort you have to put in to build a trust with a snake especially certain personality types of snakes or certain species of snakes putting in the time and effort to build that trust so that they feel comfortable with you waving your arms around them or making sudden movements or walking around and and other people walking around and lifting them up and putting them down and potentially putting your hand on or near their head them developing that trust with you to know that you are safe and you're not going to hurt them it's this really really special bond you don't want to ruin it having an animal build that trust with you and you've earned it it's it's really special i was just gonna say it's nice to feel that you've earned it rather than just been given something yeah if you like the sound of that challenge then yeah definitely get a hog nose (laughs) i like it that's why i have ones (laughs) <laughs> yes <laughs> you can like bring on the challenge same <laughs> oh man well I think we covered a lot of the very basics and like we said before we're just kind of easing into this stuff folks we don't want to put you in over your head and we did delve in a little bit into some stuff you mentioned crypto earlier Susie so we're going to talk more about that in a later episode so that you can understand I think we'll do an episode probably all just about common health issues and diseases and what you can do to avoid them or the symptoms of them when you come across them so these will be really helpful things to know so stay tuned keep listening give us feedback give us comments let us know what you like let us know what you don't like if there's anything even that you don't like Thank you guys for listening so much. And thank you again to the amazing people of this community who offered and agreed to give us little audio clips at the beginning of why they got into Hognose. It was so special to hear that. More and more happy every single day that I am part of this community now. Yay! Definitely, we found a gem in the middle of nowhere. I never thought I would find anything quite as special in such a wriggly little worm thing. (laughs) It's a scaly oasis out here, folks. Well, let's go ahead and sign off for the night. I'm Trinity Hart, and I'm here to remind you that the joy of discovery is an adventure that never ends. And, you know, talk about hog noses and stuff. I'm Susie Moon, and thanks for joining us as we discuss whether or not you should get a hog nose snake. And yes, the answer is always yes. <laughs> and make sure to join us next time while we go more in depth on some more of hog nose details. Subliminal messaging, subliminal messaging. <laughs> Get hog nose, get hog nose. So thanks for digging in like a Fasorio Colubrid and chatting with us. Join us next time for more episodes on, on hog nose snakes. Word. 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 No diggity. Word to your mother. <laughs>like to remind our wonderful listeners that we're here to spark curiosity and to bring you engaging and educational content but everything we say on this podcast is based on our personal opinions and experiences we want to encourage you to dive deeper explore multiple perspectives and always conduct your own research as well thank you for tuning in and let curiosity be your guide hognoses for for life life.